0: the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. Cancer is a hijacker. It hijacks cells for its own purposes, and that's the very action that effector Therapeutics is determined to counteract. Today, we'll talk about two of the candidates in its pipeline. One is for non-small cell lung cancer, and another is for ER ER-positive breast cancer. We'll talk about the premise behind how they work and the clinical trials they're enrolling now. Dr. Steve Worland is the co-founder and CEO of Effector Therapeutics. Steve, welcome to Biotech Nation.
1: Thank you very much. It's great to be here.
0: Now, I have to say... When we think about anything in life, on our bodies especially, we think it's the DNA we were born with, the RNA, this is inside ourselves, the copy of that DNA is the RNA, and that's what's executed to produce a protein. And the proteins are... Everything We are protein machines. We know it from the mRNA vaccines that said, we're just going to inject this into you and it's going to produce this pro- protein and going to go after that spike protein in, uh, in COVID. Now, let me ask you this. Is there anything that is different about DNA, RNA, protein that we need to know?
1: Well, sure. I think at Effector, what we decided was to capitalize on that knowledge has been known for a long time, DNA to RNA to protein. It was called the fundamental dogma in the 1950s when we figured out molecular biology. But everybody thought all the control of the regulation happened between DNA and RNA. And that's still true almost all the time. But Certain proteins are so powerful, they change the cell's behavior so dramatically, there's evolved a second control step between the RNA and the protein. So even if you've copied the RNA from the DNA, you don't make the protein unless you get a second sort of go signal. Um, And cancer is very smart and has hijacked that and is sort of inappropriately giving a go signal from RNA to protein.
0: Go, go, go. Keep making the the protein, keep making the protein. Um, So... I don't. I'm not familiar with this concept that there's sort of a regulator on that. Should we make the protein or not make the protein? How new is that?
1: It was been um, a few people have been working on it for 20 years or more, including one of our founders. But about 10 years ago, certain drugs were found to act at this step, and that step's called translation. So you translate the information in the RNA into basically a recipe for making the protein and then the protein goes out and does all the functions of the cell. So it was learned that, that cancer has hijacked that process and cancer is producing protein translating from the RNA when it shouldn't be making those proteins and then that confers on the tumor cell The properties of a tumor, it grows, it doesn't stop growing when it hits the the basement membrane, it escapes the immune system, and it doesn't kill itself the way normally if a cell gets out of control, it knows how it's auto-programmed to just kill itself. A cancer cell doesn't do that.
0: So how do you go about making sure that regulator is right?
1: Yeah, so there's mechanisms inside the cell first to... um, to check this type of regulation. And there are sequences in the RNA, that's part of your genetic code at the DNA, those carry to the RNA, and they check in proofread to make sure, is it really time to make this protein? Um, and then again, cancer overrides those signals. And so what we did was what our co-founders did was really dissect that machinery and understand how do those regulators work? How do they read the RNA? How do they control translation? And how is cancer overriding those control mechanisms? And then what could we do with, with drug candidates to come in and, and put it back to the controlled state, basically?
0: So I guess my question is a little different. Um, so you have some cells. They, the regulator portion of them has been hijacked, as you said, replaced, or the machinery of that cell has been uh, you know, corrupted. What are you trying to do? give them new regulator? uh,
1: Actually, we're trying to tone down the activity of the regulator. So mostly cancer has turned a off regulator into an on regulator So, and it's stuck in the on position. And so we're trying to bring it back, maybe not all the way to flat dead off, because that's unnatural too, but to set it back to a low level instead of a high level. So we're blocking the action of these proteins, which have been you know, turned up to their highest state possible. They've dialed them up to 11. If you ever saw the movie Spinal Tap, we're trying to put them back on two or three. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ooh, I think it's the first time we ever talked about Spinal Tap All right, here there we at go. Biotech Nation, but <laughs> bring it on, bring it on. So- do you have to be very specific about this? Do you have to like only find the cells where the regulator cells are, are have been hijacked or you can just give it to all cells?
1: It's actually quite a remarkable finding. And what people didn't expect is that you can give it to, to um, all cells by taking an oral medication or an IV that gets distributed to all the cells the major impact is only in the cells where cancer has turned everything on. And so in the other cells, because they're not already bumped up to some excel, you know, a- activated state, we can give our drug and there's very little impact. So it's remarkably selective for only the RNAs that are sensitive and it's remarkably well tolerated actually for um, you know, broadly. It's, it's quite surprising people who would have thought, well, that's gonna be toxic as soon as you give that, you'll block protein production everywhere. But that doesn't happen. And you obviously also avoid all the work that goes into how do we
0: find the cancer cell?
1: Yeah. you giving it to no. all cells. No, we do give it systemically. That's right. And so... And and that's the advantage if you can give oral, if if a drug is well tolerated, you can use simple delivery mechanisms that go everywhere, but the effect is localized in the cancer cell, even though the drug is everywhere.
0: Well, you're mid stage now. You're phase two in the one, two, three phase uh, trifecta, I call it, uh, to get to an approved drug. And you've got two phase two studies. Let's start with the first one. That's on non small cell. Lung car- carcinoma, which is the the that's the, the majority. Most, that's the majority the most common, of right? the lung cancers. So tell us about that study.
1: Yeah, so that's starting with a drug called Tamivacertib, or we call it Tommy for short because that's a mouthful. And there, uh, there's been a breakthrough starting maybe between 5 and 10 years ago with a drug called Keytruda, which boosts your immune system to um, cause your own immune system to attack the tumor cells instead of having to rely on a chemotherapy or some other agent to kill the tumor cell. Um, and that works in a lot of patients, but it doesn't work for that long. And so on average, maybe 7 to 10 months after a patient was taking Keytruda, they might start progressing again on average, and the tumor would, would defeat the drug and by um, turning back down the immune system. It cancer
0: would, uh, got smarter.
1: Cancer got smarter. Cancer is very dynamic. It changes in response to therapy. And so the cancers get very smart and learn how to shut down the immune system again. So what we're doing with Tommy is we're adding to Keytruda, so it's a Tommy plus Keytruda in a sort of randomized controlled study, so versus placebo plus Keytruda. And so what you're getting wanted, Keytruda. Yeah, everybody's getting Keytruda, and then you and so that would be the standard therapy for these patients. And if they would standardly start with chemo based on some biomarkers, they're getting that to start with too. But then the what's controlled in our study is you either get our drug Tommy added on to your standard therapy or you get placebo only, so it's just standard care therapy alone. And you're enrolling this trial now? We are enrolling this trial right now for patients, again, with non-small cell lung cancer and what's called pdl one positive. So that's a marker for are they potentially immunologically sensitive. Some tumors, uh, is, the immune system is nowhere to be found, and those are called PDL one negative. We can't help them yet. But for PD L1 positive, and again, that's about two thirds of the non small cell lung cancer patients, um, all those patients are eligible to enroll in this trial.
0: And you'd find that out at effector.com. That's
1: correct, right, at effector.com. So Mm -hmm.
0: maybe if it's you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this this could be something that could be uh, appropriate to to enroll in that trial.
0: So you have a a second trial in a different cancer, and this would be ER uh, positive breast cancer. What is that?
1: That's right. And so one, um, you know, women who get breast cancer, it's there are different, uh, again, markers for what's driving that tumor. So ER is the estrogen receptor. So about 70 to 75 percent of breast cancer is driven by um, the estrogen receptor, driving them to, to divide and in, in, in an uncontrolled fashion. Um, so for ER positive breast cancer, we're using our second drug which is called zotatafun, or Zoda for short. And that's also a trial that that's, uh, can be found on our website. In ER-positive breast cancer, we're combining with a drug called Fulvestrin, which is used today to um, try to block the action of the estrogen receptor where the ER comes from. Um, but that doesn't get everything that's driving the tumor. And so we're adding our drug Zoda to try to block other parts of the network that drive that cancer.
0: Okay, so what is this phase two study?
1: So this one is right now we're doing what are called expansion cohorts. So we're still looking for the exact uh, best description of the patients who might benefit. And so these are what are called single arm trials, not yet randomized, but we're taking patients if they failed at least one line of therapy and then adding our drug plus fulvestrin and, and trying to understand the biomarkers that best predict the activity of our drug.
0: So they would continue with their current therapy and add this.
1: Yeah, actually, they would probably start a new round of fulvestrum, but they would be getting a standard therapy for their cancer. And then on top of that, we would add our drug.
0: And you're enrolling in this trial as well. We are enrolling
1: in this one. Yes, it's actively enrolling right now. And again, patients could find that at effector.com.
0: And it's a very simple concept. At 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 the base, you're overriding uh, this one portion of the the RNA which says, "Nope, the regulator don't produce this protein." Yeah,
1: it's and what's remarkable, I think, is that that simple. Control mechanism there is what contributes resistance to many different therapies. And this was actually sort of the discoveries that led to the founding of Effector is that there's a common mechanism that can confer resistance to several different drugs. It's kind of a stress response in a way. And the tumor cells, you know, I was getting away with growth, uncontrolled growth for a while, now I'm getting pressure from a drug. How could I uh, respond and become resistant to that drug? This, you know, inappropriate upregulation of translation is common to many different resistance mechanisms so we do see lots of different opportunities for us we have the lung cancer for tommy and the breast cancer for zote is the first examples of these but we think this is quite fundamental and it's usually the case when you when you tap into a fundamental aspect of biology it usually is applicable broadly in several different circumstances because nature is Beautiful and complex, but ultimately very simple as well. Nature uses the same mechanisms over and over for pr- to produce biological responses. And if cancer hijacks that and we can reverse that hijacking, then hopefully we could work broadly.
0: So in the first case in both of these trials, you're hoping that it will make the, the treatment more effective, immediately
1: right and that for lo- for longer as well that's yes but and then no. the
0: second case if you will is like well how long will it go by the time that we usually see resistance
1: that, that's right and that would be the beauty and then you know again immunotherapy is pretty well um, tolerated compared to old chemotherapy or something so if you can give patients longer time with a well-tolerated regimen that's the real beauty of what the can what the drugs can do extend a relatively normal life and say keep going about your your you know your family life and everything that you enjoy doing, and you don't have to move yet on to some very you know hard to take chemo regimen. That's the beauty of what we're trying to do by blocking resistance. We can take drugs that were working and make them work for longer.
0: Well, Steve, this has really been uh, this has been exciting. Uh, I hope you'll come back and see us again.
1: I would love to do that. Yes, thank you so much.
0: Dr. Steve Worland is the co-founder and CEO of Effector Therapeutics. To enroll in clinical trials for various cancers or simply for more information about the company, the website is effector.com. That's effector, E-F-F-E-C-T-O-R, effector.com. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.